Hi, I'm Sarah Lee Whitson, the Executive Director of Dawn, Democracy for the Arab World Now, and I'm here with Nick Kristoff uh, from the New York Times, a globally renowned columnist. Well, I'm, I'm flattered to be globally renowned, uh, but we certainly both care a lot about human rights, and so good to chat. Um, let, me, let me start by asking you, um, you know, what's going to happen with, in Saudi Arabia uh, and is it how assured is it that Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, is going to become king? Is that something that is kind of predestined, do you think? Um, well, that's a lot of tea leaf reading. Uh, I would say that uh, on the face of it, given the extent to which uh, MBS has completely obliterated any independent bases of power in the country, whether it's military, whether it's other royals, uh, uh, whether it's the religious establishment and, of course, civil society, which was never strong to begin with, it's fairly likely um, that uh, there will be no uh, ability to stop him. Um, that being said, it's also not 100% assured because he has to get the commitment of the Allegiance Council. Um, so whether or not he uh, has uh, his foot on their neck as well, um, probably so, um, uh, makes it pretty likely. Um, but, you know, in the Middle East, um, prepare for the un for, prepare for the unprepared, you know, uh, we don't really know. And, you know, I, I do kind of think that normally the longer a crown prince sits in office, the, the more likely they are to inherit. But in the case of, of MBS, it seems to me that he, you know, that he has just done everything wrong. And, and it becomes more clear as time goes on that his economic vision is unsound and isn't actually going to lead to the promised land. And meanwhile, that he keeps getting into other messes. And, you know, if if Joe Biden is elected, then he will have a real problem with a new U.S. administration. I think that he will have a much greater problem with the new administration because he will no longer have the ultimate protector in Donald Trump, who's made it very clear to the world that he, in fact, is Saudi Arabia's and MBS's ultimate protector, announcing to the world how he saved his ass uh, and how Saudi Arabia wouldn't exist for six minutes as long as this conversation, if it weren't for uh, U.S. troops on the ground, which actually I think is an overstatement. That being said, uh, although Biden has very strongly signaled that things will change, I'm not really that persuaded that there will be any fundamental change in the U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia because it is so closely tied into uh, other relationships the United States has, uh, particularly uh, with Israel and with Iran, uh, as well as pressures to continue making profits for arms sales that is actually going to end up putting Biden in quite a bind. You know, I think that's right. But I think that if the U.S. backs off to some degree and MBS has to be concerned about to what degree the U.S. has his back in, in, in a conflict with Iran or in, uh, you know, or diplomatically, then I think that does put some restraints on him and on aides around him. It makes it a little bit harder to do nasty things in Yemen, to do nasty things, you know, vis-a-vis uh, -vis Qatar or Lebanon, um, or maybe to a Washington Post columnist. I, I, I just wonder if a certain distance uh, from Washington maybe ha forces him to be a little bit more restrained. I am very skeptical of the restraint theory, particularly if we look at Saudi Arabia's record under the Obama administration in the Yemen war, which, by the way, also included the kidnapping and humiliation of another country's prime minister, uh, uh, Saad Hariri. 
Um, I think the more important reason is not uh, as a matter of leverage, but as a matter of responsibility and culpability. That's the reason why the United States should change its policy uh, with respect to arms sales to Saudi Arabia, because it makes us complicit in the abuses. And that's why the State Department has been very concerned about the potential for lawsuits uh, and uh, liability in the International Criminal Court for its support of the war in Yemen. Um, So... uh, in Yemen, you know, are is there? Do you have any any ray of hope that now, as, as you know, as the UAE seems to be increasingly concerned about its presence there, do you have any sense that that maybe there is some hope for Yemen? Uh, well, I I think there's some hope that the war will end, uh, particularly if Trump leaves office, where um, there will be very much stronger pressure on Saudi Arabia to pull back uh, out of out of Yemen. Um, but if Yemen becomes a political football to be played against Iran, um, and if, for example, the U.S. proceeds with putting the Houthis on the U.S. terrorism list, um, it can, in fact, encourage the parties to continue believing they continue to have diplomatic cover. Um, but of course, the woes of Yemen are so much beyond this immediate war now that the country yeah. is uh, is the catastrophe that it is. Um, just to offer a ray of hope, you know, the Middle East is a mess, but but. I've also spent a lot of time covering Sub-Saharan Africa and East Asia. And over my career, I have seen these huge progress toward democracy and human rights in general in those places. I'm hoping that the same will come uh, to pass in in the Middle East. Well, I never lose hope in the people of the Middle East. Absolutely. Well, that was Jamal's vision and I hope we see it.